0: Well, you look around you, it is Christmas season, isn't it? Uh, there are wreaths out at the front door, and there's decorations in the windows, and uh, there's a nativity scene here. And I'm sure at your house there are things that you are see- seeing. And as a minister, uh, it's always a little um, disconcerting at Christmas time to think what can I say this Christmas that you haven't already heard? Um, it is a special time for us to reclaim and rehear and retell the Christmas story. And these four weeks of Advent, beginning this morning as we lead up to Christmas, It's a time for us indeed to reflect and to remember and to celebrate the coming of our Messiah. For had he not come, there would be no reason for us to be gathered this morning. Uh, I was thinking this will be my 67th Christmas that, yeah, now some of them I was too little to understand, okay? But um, I don't know how many Christmases you have celebrated. Maybe you can just think about that a little bit, even you younger ones. How many Christmas, Emma, is this for you? How many Christmas, Chloe, is this for you? Think about that and what can be special and different about this Christmas compared to other Christmases that you have had. Well, open your Bible this morning. I'm going to use a Christmas text. We have four chapters in the Bible that deal specifically with the Christmas story. Two in Matthew, Matthew 1 and 2, and the first two chapters in Luke. And this morning I want to direct our attention to Luke chapter 2, but I'm going to the latter part of the passage. Now you might say, well, wait a minute, Dave, this is the first Sunday of Advent, so why are you starting, why are you having a message this morning from the end of chapter 2? Well, I think that will become evident as we go through. You know, this past March, I had my annual physical, again, with Dr. King, and, um, I was just reminded again that we all have to learn to wait. And this morning what I want to focus our attention on is waiting on God. I went to my physical appointment. Uh, I don't remember exactly what hour it was, but I was there early because I was raised that way. If I'm not there five minutes ahead, I'm late. And I went in and checked in, and they took my, my insurance information and so forth, and filled out the updated the paperwork and signed the HIPAA release for all the different forms that lets GERT check on me if something happens to me. And, and then I went and sat in the waiting room to wait. And I looked at some magazines there a little bit as I waited, and nothing really piqued my interest. so I looked on my phone to see if I had any messages that had come in, and I waited, and I waited, and I waited. And after it seemed like forever, finally a nurse came to the door and she said, you know, called my name, oh boy, good. I look at my watch, I'll get in and out of here because I feel great, this is routine. And so we go out and she checks my weight, and she checks my, checks my temperature, and she checks my blood pressure, and my weight is okay, at least I think so. And um, she says, my blood pressure is excellent, and um, um, you know, my temperature is fine, and I feel great, and so this should be really short. And so she takes me back to a room that on the door it says, an examination room. But I've learned it's not merely an examination room, it's another waiting room. <laughs> and so I go in, and this time she puts me in solitary confinement. Now she closes the door, and I'm in there all by myself, and I wait, and I wait, and I wait, and I wait. And I look at my watch, and I'm thinking of all the things that I have yet to do today that was squeezing this in. I feel good. I'm ready to leave. I'm ready to go. I'm good. And finally, the doctor comes in, and we have our visit. I was reminded again during that experience, that I'm still learning to wait. We all have to learn to wait. From the youngest of us to the oldest, we have to continue to learn to wait. And you know, you and I as followers of Christ, we cannot walk with God without learning to wait. And God has many ways of compelling us to wait. There are numerous examples I could give in Scripture. Um, think of Lazarus, for instance. Mary and Martha send word to Jesus that their brother is sick, thinking he will come and heal their brother. And Jesus waits two days and then he says, Let's go. They, he gets there four days after, G, after Lazarus is buried. And the sisters ask him, Different occasions, almost verbatim the same words. Master, if you had been here, our brother had not died. Jesus had them wait. And we know what happened in that situation. David in Psalm 27 came to that realization in his life, and he said, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he will... Sustain your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. And think of David's life of waiting, knowing that he was anointed to be the king. But waiting. Isaiah said in chapter 40, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall rise up with wings as eagles. Job said in chapter 14, I will wait for my change. You see... We serve a God who makes us wait. We want God to move at our beck and call. But God does not operate on demand. God is not a button that we can press. When we pray to God and then we press amen, we would like for him to minister to our needs immediately. But I'm here to say from my experience, I find that God does not overnight his plans to me. (laughs) He does not always next day air his plans. It's like the saints of long ago would say to one another, you can't make him hurry. He'll be there, don't you worry. He may not come when you want him to, but he's always on time. Turn with me to chapter 2 of Luke. I want to read verses 25 through 35. We're going to read about a character in the Christmas story that we don't often think a lot about. Begin at verse 25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles, and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall, and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against, yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. These four weeks of Advent, which means coming, these four weeks are meant to slow us down. And you say, right, Dave, good chance of that happening Christmas time can be such a rush 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 time but I'm here to call us this morning to slow down these four weeks of Advent are to make us realize to recognize that walking with God demands that we learn how to wait now, you might say this morning, well, it seems like we're always waiting on God. Do you ever find that? You know, it seems like we're always waiting on God to answer a prayer or to open a door or to reveal our future, His plans for us, to reconcile a broken relationship or to provide what we need in a situation. Well, waiting on anyone is uncomfortable, whether it's a doctor's office or whether it's God, because when we have to wait, we automatically think something's wrong. Just wait. I haven't forgotten where I was. Just wait. You see how uncomfortable that can be? And that that wasn't even 30 seconds. You see, waiting is uncomfortable for us because our world has conditioned us to have an inherent disdain for anything that takes too long. You know, technology has conditioned us to hate waiting. The truest sign of a technological advancement Is speed. I mean, it's not a true upgrade if it's not faster, right? You see, we want our technology, especially today, to give us things on demand. When we push the button, we want it to deliver. And if we're honest, it's very easy for us to expect God to operate the same way. When we press amen at the end of our prayer, we expect things to look different, to be different the next day, maybe even the next hour. Well, why do we struggle? Why is it hard to wait? Why do we struggle with that in our daily routine? And there are probably a lot of reasons, but I think there are a couple I want to mention this morning for us to think about that may help us. Slow down this Advent season. One of the reasons we struggle with waiting is that our affluence and our position tell us we shouldn't have to wait. You know, the bigger your title, the less you like waiting. The more you earn, the less you think you should need to wait. A wealthy individual was asked once, what is one thing that wealth does to an individual that the average person would never think about? And that wealthy person said, money will destroy your patience. You see, the more that we have, our affluence and title or position, can make it hard for us to wait. A second reason we struggle with, we, with waiting is acquaintanceship. You know, the better our connections, uh, who we know, the less we feel we should have to wait. You know, one of the greatest feelings, maybe you've had this, is to go to an event that's going to be very crowded, and you get there, Sam, and there's a long line, and because you know somebody, you get to go to the front of that line. Isn't that a great feeling? You ever had that happen? You, you, you get to go to the front. Because who you know? You don't have to wait. So our acquaintanceship sometimes can make it difficult. A third is we don't like waiting when we feel a sense of entitlement. You know, when we have done what we are supposed to do, We don't think we should have to wait. You see, I had gone a week before that doctor's appointment, and I had had my lab work done. And I filled the paperwork. And I had gotten there early. And I had gotten my cards checked in. I didn't think I should have to wait. Now, if I was late and didn't have my work done, then I'd understand. But I had done what I thought I needed to do, and therefore, I didn't think I should have to wait. You see, when I've done what I'm supposed to do, what I wanted to say to Dr. King was, look, I'm a good patient. I mean, by the way, I have even referred other people to you. I not only have done my work, and now you make me wait. I should not have to wait. Well, I think sometimes we approach God with the same mindset. We have a problem when God makes us wait. We say, look, God, I go to church regularly. I I read my Bible. I pray. I, I, I minister other people. I even invite other people to church. I am a good customer. And yet God makes us wait. Well, when God makes us wait, we may even question His ability. Since God is omnipotent, all-powerful, and He can do anything, then doesn't it seem like He should do for me what I need when I need Him to do it? You see, it's so easy for us to struggle with that. Waiting on God is not a question of His his omnipotence. Waiting on God is a matter of His sovereignty. You see, God's ability is governed by His will. What God does is executed based on what He wills to do. And let's ask the question this morning, what is God's will for you? What does God will to do in your life? God's will is to grow you and me. God's will is to groom you and me. God's will is to guide you and me. God's will is for your and my life to glorify him. And to grow us and to groom us. And to guide us and to be glorified by us, sometimes God makes us wait. You see, there's something about waiting on God that grows us up spiritually, that grooms our life, that allows God to be glorified. When God has us wait, there is a reason. So you say, okay, Dave, what is the reason? Why does God make us wait? I think there's some answers to be found in the life of Simeon. And that's why I've chosen this character. You know, Simeon is a hidden figure in in the story of Christmas. I don't think there are any Christmas carols that mention Simeon. Um, No role in the Christmas pageant normally for Simeon, uh, but Simeon forces us to deal with the reality of waiting. We really don't know much about Simeon. We don't know his age. We don't know his occupation. We don't know anything about his family. But what we do know about Simeon is so much more significant. Look at verse 25. There are three things that are said about Simeon that are the greatest thing that could be on anyone's resume. This man was just. This man was devout. The Holy Ghost was upon this man. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. You see, Simeon was keeping the lamp of prophecy burning when religion was at a low ebb. In Israel the Bible says Simeon was waiting and why was he waiting he was waiting because he had received a word from God the word from God that said to him that you will not die until you see the Messiah now I wish I knew how long ago that was was that ten years ago Was it 10 weeks ago? The Bible doesn't tell us how long he was waiting. But ever since the day of that revelation, Simeon has been waiting. And Simeon learned what you and I have to learn. That often God orchestrates a delay between what he promises and when he performs it. When we walk with God, we will inevitably realize that God often allows time to elapse between what He declares He will do and what He does. God may speak to us about something, but He may delay His manifestation of that so that He can teach us things while we wait that cannot be learned any other way. So why does God make us wait? Why is waiting part of God's process? Well, like Simeon, we need to learn to wait for a couple of reasons. I want to suggest three this morning. Waiting on God fortifies our faith. When God makes us wait, he is strengthening our faith. He is putting substance behind our faith. He is deepening our faith. You see, when we wait on God, our faith is not merely repeating other cliches about God that we've heard other people say. That God is always good and God will always provide and God will care for me and, and, and all things will work together for good. While those are true, waiting on God allows our faith to be deepened and fortified. You see, we learn to wait because our faith is rooted in something much deeper than our experience. Why is Simeon waiting? Because God said. Because he believes the promise that God has given. And God does not break his promises. He is the true promise keeper. See, Simeon's experience in the unfolding story of Christmas was different than the other characters in the Christmas story. All the other characters in the Christmas story learned about Jesus with a sign. Think of Mary. Gabriel appeared to Mary. That was a pretty significant sign, wouldn't you say? How about Joseph? The angel appears to Joseph in a dream. Pretty significant. How about Zechariah going in and the angel appears to him at the altar and makes him dumb. He cannot speak. A pretty significant sign. How about Mary in, in, in going to visit Elizabeth and Elizabeth telling her that I too am miraculously pregnant. And when I heard your voice, my babe leaped in my womb. Pretty significant sign. How about the shepherds? On the hillside, in the dark, Maddie, and the angel appears. Pretty? You wouldn't forget that, would you? How about the wise men? Having a star to follow. Everyone got a sign except Simeon. Simeon didn't get any external sign. You see, Simeon learned to wait because he received a word from God. You see, there's a difference between external confirmation and internal revelation. And while external confirmations are wonderful, a deeper faith results from waiting on God because of what God has said He will do. All Simeon has is the word God has given, there's no sign. There's no physical evidence. There's no confirmation. Simeon believes God, and he waits on God because he knows what God has said God will do. You see, when God has us waiting, one of the things that I think he may be trying to to break is our dependence on external signs in order for us to believe that He will do what He says He will do. You see, it's easy to wait on God when there's an external sign. It's easy to wait to follow when you've got a star. And you know that if I follow this star long... But when there's no star, when there's no vision, when there's no angel, when all I have is what God has said He will do, that's when my faith, is you see, the more we grow in our faith in God, the less we will need a physical sign. Nor the confirmation of others. All we need is God's word for us. For as David said, he is our light and our salvation. He is our defender. He is our way maker, Fred. He is our healer. He is our deliverer. So this morning, as we wait... We continue to learn what it means to wait. As we slow down this Advent season, let's take God at His word. You see, when we learn to wait on God and witness all that God has brought us through, even in this past year, we're at the end of 2023. When we witness all that God has brought us through, our faith will be fortified. It will be strengthened. So one of the reasons God makes us wait is to fortify our faith. A second reason God makes us wait is while while we are waiting, He waits on our worship. While we are waiting on God to work, He is waiting on us to worship. You see, while we wait, it often seems that God is not working. And therefore, since God is not working, something must be wrong. And since something must be wrong, I cease my worship. Or I decline my worship. You see, while Simeon is waiting on God to provide him the opportunity to see the Messiah, God is at work. Simeon just doesn't see it. Reflect with me a little bit. While Simeon is waiting on God, God appears to Zechariah. While Simeon is waiting on God, Gabriel appears to Mary. While Simeon is waiting on God, Joseph is wrestling what to do. While Simeon is waiting on God, Caesar Augustus is convinced to issue a decree so that Mary and Joseph will travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem, so that the prophecy will be fulfilled. While Simeon is waiting on God, Jesus is born in a stable. While Simeon is waiting on God, the angels appear to the shepherds. All of this, Simeon doesn't know. It looks to Simeon like nothing's happening. And yet, while it looks like nothing is happening with God, things are always happening. Don't miss this. Simeon sees Jesus in the temple that day. How did that happen? Joseph and Mary bring Jesus to the temple to be dedicated, and that is where they encounter Simeon. Now... Why is Simeon at the temple? If he didn't know, that was the day Jesus would show up. Simeon is at the temple because that is where Simeon has been going while he's waiting. While Simeon is waiting, he is still going to the temple to worship. While Simeon is waiting on God to fulfill his promise, he is still making his way to the temple to worship. Simeon understands what you and I must understand, that while we're waiting on God, He is still worthy of our worship. You see, while God has us waiting, He wants to see if we can still worship when it looks like He's not answering our prayer. God needs to know if my worship is based on what He is doing for me. Or is my worship based on who He is? While I'm waiting on God to answer my prayer, He is still God. And He is still worthy of my worship. He is still the Creator. He is still the Sustainer. He is still the Ruler. He is still Jehovah from everlasting to everlasting. While I am waiting, I worship Him for who He is rather than waiting to worship Him for what He does. When you and I consistently worship God for who He is, and not merely for what He does, we're going to confuse some people. Some people are going to look at you and me and say, how can you have the audacity to worship God when He hasn't answered your prayer? How can you worship God when we're still in a drought and your crops need rain? How can you still worship God with the loss of your health? How can you still worship God when you've just lost your job? How can you worship God when you just suffered through the the painful separation of a relationship? How can you worship God when you just found out that you've got cancer you see we still worship God in those times while we wait for him to act we worship him because he is still God I don't need God to do anything in my life for me to come here on Sunday and worship him I worship him for who he is You see, none of us want to be in a relationship where someone only wants what they can get from us. You ever felt that way? We want someone to love us, to appreciate us for who we are. See, God makes us wait at times to make sure that our worship is not some form of, Sanctified manipulation. See, that's what Satan accused Job of to God. Well, Yeah, he worships you because you do these things for him. I mean, Job's not stupid. (laughs) If he does this, you do this. I mean, look what you've done for him. We need to be here to worship him because he is God. We praise Him before He is God. When we go to worship, God goes to work. I'm convinced that God is never idle in the life of someone who worships Him. Well, God makes us wait to fortify our faith. I think God makes us wait while He waits for our worship. I think we find in Simeon's story that God also makes us wait so he can prepare our praise. So we learn how to truly thank him. Look at verse 28. Simeon takes the baby, lifts Jesus up in his arms, and blesses him with his mouth. Now, maybe you younger ones here today haven't seen God do enough things in your life yet to cause you to open your mouth and praise Him. But most of us here have. Most of us here have. And as we get older, and as we've waited on God, we will have our own testimony of God's blessing in our life. To express praise and to be thankful... Not just in private, but in the presence of others. Simeon, in the temple, in front of everyone, holds this child up and blesses God. You see, there's a connection between our prayer and our praise. As I said last Sunday, the passion of our prayer should never exceed the passion of our praise. The passion of our prayer should never exceed the passion of our praise. Could it be this morning that one of the reasons God makes us wait is because we are not adequately thankful, grateful for the immediate things that he blesses us with every day? Even today, God has blessed us. Might it be that He makes us wait because we're not adequately grateful for the immediate things. Maybe we take His goodness for granted. Maybe it's God has provided so often that we've come to expect it. You see, when we've been praying for a long time, And when we've been waiting on God, like Simeon, when he moves, when he answers that prayer, we will not be silent in praising him. You know, it's true in a lot of things in life. The longer you wait for something or work for it, the more you appreciate it. Let me leave you with this thought. That which you attain too easily, you esteem too lightly. And might that be one of the reasons God has us wait. Well, I conclude with Simeon's testimony. In verse 29, Simeon says, Lord, Now let thy servant depart in peace, for my eyes have seen thy salvation. I don't know how much longer Simeon lived, but Simeon said, I'm now ready to die. And for all of us, if you have not seen God's salvation in your life, You may have known about Jesus. You know the Christmas story. But if you have not experienced salvation, you're not ready to die. But once you've accepted the plan of salvation, once you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, once you have seen Him by faith, sacrificed on your behalf, once you've experienced forgiveness of your sins through faith in Him, you then can say like Simeon, I can face death. No matter our age, we can depart in peace. But until you have seen God's salvation, until you have experienced personally Being born again, you do not have peace. You're not ready to depart this world in peace like Simeon. So as we wait, as we slow down, as we think about the coming of our Savior, in the hustle and bustle of the many people we will encounter this holiday time, May we extend the true meaning of Christmas. May we invite people to place their faith in Christ. May Christmas be Christmas and not Xmas, so that they too can say, I can depart in peace, for I have seen God's salvation.